Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. And I'm Christian Roganoff. Cheers. Cheers to you as well, <laughs> especially in those difficult times. That's something good to be positive and smiling when we have so much uh, to suffer from. Definitely, definitely. And that was our, our virtual cheers because uh, we're, we're recording this from afar. Normally, uh, people would you know get to hear that as our glasses are clinking, but uh, no glasses to clink today. So we're, uh, but you're right. We got some smiles on and we're making it happen. But I can make the noise. See? There we go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> we, uh, Christian, why don't you go ahead and, and kind of introduce yourself uh, and uh, kind of uh, tell us a little bit about you and uh, first time we have any guests on, we also like to get a little bit about your relationship and or history with alcohol. Oh, very good. So uh, obviously by now you probably would have guessed and I was not born in California, <laughs> a little bit of an accent. And I have the great pleasure to be uh, helping uh, at the Light Post Winery. I'm helping uh, Sofia Fedotova and she's the, the head winemaker and owner and her husband John, which is more on the background, but he does a lot of the financing. And uh, I came on board uh, just about two years ago to help out. And it has been a, an incredible uh, endeavor for me because we're really crafting what I believe is perhaps some of the best wine in the Santa Clara County. And uh, how do we do that? Well, I, I had the chance, well, Sophia obviously uh, presented the, the strategy, the visions, the, the, the plan. And uh, I'm, I'm helping with my uh, experience in winemaking. Uh, I graduated from uh, Dijon in university. I work in Champagne in the Rhone, Rhone Valley, in the Loire Valley. Wow. I worked in California. I started a brand called Maison Dutz in the uh, late 80s. That was owned by Champagne Dutz and then Leticia, which is another winery. Uh, and then I've done a lot of consulting in, from pretty much the five continents, from Argentina, New Zealand. I planted the first vineyards in South Korea for the 1988 Olympics. That was the official wine. I also nice. uh, did uh, some consulting in Germany. And I, uh, I've been in a lot of places. And then how did I get into the wine? Well, my dad used to be uh, a banker in a small town of Boone. If you know, in Burgundy, that's the heart of Burgundy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when I was, uh, it was in the 60s, and my, my mother used to teach on Saturday, and I was following my dad, and he would see his customer on Saturday. So we would do the, uh, they would do his business with the, the, the vigneron, the different uh, wine growers. And then uh, after that, they would uh, have to kick the barrel and taste the wine. My dad would give a loan only if he could taste the wine, make sure the wine was okay. So I started to drink some fine burgundy at eight or nine, just a little, you know, a half inch. Yeah, yeah. By the time I was 14, I could say that I was really good at recognizing all the different village in burgundy. So when it came to what to do in life, uh -huh. <laughs> I said, maybe a winemaker, that's for me. So uh, that's, that's my story uh, about wine. I like it. And uh, you definitely uh, have, have been around and done a lot as, as far as wine goes. I mean, that's, that's amazing. You've uh, been in almost every wine region, it sounds like. 
Yeah, I uh, and my wife sometimes gets doesn't like that because when whenever we travel, we generally spend half of a vacation visiting wineries or domains. <laughs> but but she likes the the yeah. good wines and and the people are so so friendly. The wine industry, one of the least competitive industry and one of the friendliest. I mean, mm. when you talk about wine, wine is about fun. It's about sharing. It's about food pairing. It's about celebration. It really, that's 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 kind of the, the lifestyle, and I, I like to to have. Yeah, because I, I think it's just uh, I don't know. It embellish your relationship, your life. You have good friends, and it's it's a way to live. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. That's one of the reasons we got this uh, podcast up and going because I realized uh, I didn't have enough in my life and I needed to learn a lot more. But and I will agree, there's a lot of great times had sitting around a, a bottle of wine. What, uh, so you're at Light Post Cellars right now. Uh, what can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what are, what are you guys doing yes. out there? So uh, we call it Light Post Winery. It's a winery, located, okay. Of course, in uh, Morgan Hill. And it's literally uh, just uh, one, two minutes driving from the freeway on the Cochrane exit. And we have been open now since September 1st of last year, I've obviously closed now. And we have an absolutely beautiful tasting room uh, with uh, a nice outdoor patio. We can sit probably 60 people outside. And then inside we have the large tasting room and four separate rooms for guests. If people want to conduct a, a conference, a business meeting, uh, or just uh, bring some friends, uh, we, we supply all this. And really the focus of the, the wines we're making, again, it's Sophia that has really created the, the concept of, of light post winery. It's, it's been very focused on Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Rhone blend, Cabernet blend, and within three months, sparkling wine. And the reason sparkling wine, Sophia loves uh, uh, sparkling wine, and I work in Champagne, so I, I understand a little bit the process. Nice, nice. I love it. Well, and so let's dive right on in then, because today we're here to talk about Chardonnay. It's one of those wines, I mean, you see it everywhere, you hear about it everywhere, but I, at least I think like a lot of people don't know a whole lot about it. So we're going to just take a little bit of a, a, a deeper dive here. So this may be a very broad kind of tough question, I guess, to answer, but what is a Chardonnay? So first of all, I'd like to say that last year, 110 million cases of Chardonnay were sold around the world. And that's just an estimate because we don't really know how many cases China and Russia really uh, sold. Uh, there that's is currently <laughs> more than 400,000 acres worldwide. And it is by far the most widely planted varietals in the world. Uh, 15 years ago, the, the most wide varietal planted was Spanish uh, varietals iron. Uh, now Chardonnay is ahead of it. And we can say today that 50% of white wine consumed in the United States is Chardonnay, Chardonnay. So very, very po popular. So where does Chardonnay come from? Actually Chardonnay, it's not a varietals you would find in the wild, like you would find Sauvignon Blanc or you would find Pinot Noir. Yeah. Chardonnay is a result of a cross between Pinot Noir and Gouet Blanc. The uh, Gouet Blanc were brought from the Romans 
from Croatia about 2,000 years ago, and it was cultivated with the peasants in France. You would see side by side uh, Pinot Noir and Gouet Blanc being planted and being so uh, planted so, so closely to one another, they had the opportunity to interbreed. Mm. And slowly we created uh, two different uh, for new varietals. But what is interesting to know is the two parents were genetically very distant. So there were over the last 2000 years, many different crosses uh, that were selected for further propagation. Yeah, well, the one, real quick. So it sounds almost like it was it was almost more accidental because I know a lot correct. of the the blends were like I mean they intentionally mixed these grapes, right? But in this case, it just kind of happened naturally over time. Absolutely, and then uh, there was uh, a number of varietals in Burgundy that you could see with Chardonnay. Another one is called Aligoté, which make a very fruity, elegant wine. You have also a Pinot de Bourgogne, uh, a Pinot Blanc style, which is a very low acidity, but really the, the, the biggest grown, and especially today, is Chardonnay. Uh, and then also too, just real quick on that. So the Chardonnay is actually kind of a green or a light colored grape. Yes. Uh, the, versus the, your Pinot, which is, I guess, one of the parents, which is a darker grape. So it's just kind of interesting i guess that that it took on the lighter color it was the is the other parent a lighter color then or well uh pinot noir is obviously uh is a, is a red wine it's not very very dark like syrah but it's slightly colored uh but it's also and it's interesting you ask the question because genetically we we have now three different subspecies of chardonnay the one you just mentioned another clone called a clone musquet which is at some muscat quality. And there's also Chardonnay that has some pinking to it. Ah, which is actually, okay. it's extremely rare and almost not available. But if you look at, you know, ampelography or if you study the Chardonnay, uh, you could find those three Chardonnay. But in reality, 99% of the Chardonnay, percent of the Chardonnay is the one that everybody knows, which is large cluster, small cluster. We can talk about that, about the morphology and there is today so many different Chardonnay, but we need to talk uh, about the uh, perhaps the history of the clone and the history of Chardonnay. But before okay. we do that, I, I won't give you the list, but I was reading uh, some articles on Chardonnay and I found more than 100 different names of Chardonnay in Europe from Arboisé, Arnoison Blanc, Aubin, Auxerrois uh, Blanc, which is still used in Chablis, south of Paris, Chardonnay, uh, Châtelet, Petite, Épinette de Champagne, Moreau Blanc, Pinot Blanc, Pinot de Bourgogne, Pinot Gallio, Blanc de Tonnerre. So now, are, are these all actual Chardonnay, just a different name yes, for Chardonnay? because imagine uh, a thousand years ago, the traveling was not what it is today. So yeah. everybody just in France, they had over 15 different languages and everybody had their different names. So it's actually fascinating to see that it's just a, this great, so much history, so much uh, uh, go back so, so long. In fact, the Gouet Blanc was actually brought by Probus. He was a Roman emperor that came from Dalmatia. And it was, we, we date, we believe, the, the first Chardonnay about the third century. Mm, wow. Okay, so that's <laughs> been around a little while. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, it's, 
but it's kind of well known at least initially originally for the the france or the region in france correct yes absolutely it's it's, uh the the two main area you would see chardonnay is champagne and burgundy Uh, this is where uh, really where, where it's at. So I'd like to give you some numbers that are very interesting that you may not suspect. Okay. People think Chardonnay, it's coastal. We see that to the uh, close beaches of California. But in reality, more than 65% of the Chardonnay harvested today come from Central California from warmer site. Okay, away from the coast. Very close. Monterey is 8%, Sonoma 6%, San Luis Obispo 4%. So more than 80% of the Chardonnay grown in the States come from a warm region. And the reason I think it's important to talk about that is warm climate Chardonnay versus cool climate Chardonnay will give a lot of different types of flavor, which, you know, we can talk about because it's... uh, at the end of the day, when we drink wine, it's, it's also about flavors. Yeah. Well, and, and let's talk about that just a little bit right now then, because I, one thing that's interested me a little bit about Chardonnay and I'm interested in learning is that m- most grapes or a lot of the other varietals that, that you hear about, they are very specific. They need they're, you know, this kind of a region and they only grow here and they only grow there, where Chardonnay is something that you really kind of see grown everywhere. <laughs> um, it, it is so true. You can grow it in Canada and you can grow it in Mexico and all along the coast. It's very resilient. Uh, it has some issue with mildew, powdery mildew. So if you live in an area that has a lot of fog, that could be an issue. It is pretty resilient to other diseases and it can take excessive sunlight, cool weather, but really, depending on the temperature that you have, you will really have a lot of different flavors of Chardonnay. Yeah, so let's, let's dive into that. You're saying the cool versus the warm and everything else, because that's, I think, the other thing that it's not only just grown everywhere, but you know, I, I think that that's why it's hard to, I, I, I know for me, a little bit to describe a Chardonnay, right? Because I mean, you can drink, you know, five, I can have five different bottles of Chardonnay and I'm going to have five extremely different wines. It's not like some of the other varietals where they're, you know, you kind of know what to expect, I think. So it's, it's very good what you say, because we need to explain the history and the origin of flavors about Chardonnay. Uh, we can go back in a little bit, there's so little time and so much to say, about yeah. the history of Chardonnay in California. But what we can say, until the late 80s, most of the Chardonnay came from only two or three selections. And the particular types of Chardonnay that we had is called Clone 4, Clone 5, or Wenty Clone. And those clones were very acidic, large cluster, large berries, crisp, fresh, and what winemaker, but with not a lot of distinct flavors. So what winemaker had to do is they made a wine going through the first fermentation and the secondary fermentation, doing the malolactic fermentation. And in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, we have those wines that, that are very buttery, mm-hmm. that are very popcorn. They kind of soft, round. Uh, they, they just have those, those warm, round flavors. 
And it's only uh, in the early 90s when we got all those clones from Europe, clones are particular selection from a mother plant in, in France, then uh, the world of Chardonnay really changed. And the, the new material uh, coming from, from France allowed winemakers to make wine very differently. Now people do a lot less malolactic, they want a fresher, fruitier. So when you talked about aromatics, we, we move from very big pineapple, passion fruit, uh, butter, popcorn, curd, butterscotch in the 60s, 70s, 80s, to now a lot of wine that are more lemon, grapefruit, tangerine, apple, pear, for the cool climate. So the, what is really important to know and, and comprehend is that the new clones that came from France starting the, in the early 90s really changed completely the world of Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just different. It's like when you have, you know, if you had only one type of tomatoes and now you can go to the market and buy cherry tomatoes or large tomatoes, Roma tomatoes. Oh, yeah. yeah difference yeah. in size and flavor. There's even green tomatoes, as purple tomatoes. The same thing was in Chardonnay. You have an array diversity of Chardonnay. Ah, okay. I like that. I like that comparison. So that's how, I mean, again, a tomatoes taste similar and you can do similar things, but there's also a wide variety and you're going to get very different, you know, even yes. sauces based on the tomato, even though it's all a tomato. So the, the Chardonnay is a grape and there's just a wide variety of that grape, correct? Yes, absolutely. And the other thing which you can do, the winemaking can manipulate the style of the Chardonnay. If you pick less ripe with lower sugar, you're going to preserve minerality. The ones are going to be fresher, crisper. Again, those lemon, grapefruit, tangerine, citrus, kind of a delicate pear. And if you pick riper, which now you're going to have wine that are going to be 14, 5, 15, you get the, the minerality disappeared uh, as, as the fruit gets riper and you now move into mango, passion fruit, melon, figs. So the picking decision really will impact the final flavor. So that's something that's going to be really impacting uh, the, 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 the timing of picking the Chardonnay, the level of ripeness, of course, the oak. You yeah. have to understand that what's really interesting about Chardonnay, and some winemakers do not realize that, is when you taste the grapes with a, bear, a few berries in your mouth and you taste the Chardonnay, there is not a lot of similarity into flavors. There's a mm. lot of what we call esters, but it's not a grape that has a very strong varietal character. If you take Muscat grapes and you taste a glass of Muscat, it tastes the same. You do that with a Sauvignon Blanc, gave your Stramino. So Chardonnay needs to have to be dressed, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you want to be, be delicate, with oak. I like and okay, obviously well, I, you can, just, just real quick too, because I, um, I didn't realize this, so I just wanted to kind of clarify that. So some of those other grapes, if you, by tasting the grape, you can kind of get a hint of what you're going to get in the wine. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, there is two types of wide varietals, if you to simplify it. One that have a varietal character you taste the grapes, you taste the wine, it's the same. And all those grapes uh, will be fermented typically in stainless to preserve the aromatic character of the varietals. Oh, that Other makes sense. varietals like Chardonnay, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, Grenache Blanc, 
don't really have a strong varietal character. So they need oak to be embellished, to be dressed. So we like to do that with Chardonnay. Uh, so you can do typically 20 or 30% of oak is what you need to get uh, aromas of creme brulee, cinnamon, vanilla, the brioche, you know, all those really delicate, or you can put a lot more oak if you wish. And if you start to pick very, very early, we talked about the ripening of the grapes now, then perhaps you don't need to put the oak because you would get that minerality, that lemon, grapefruit, tangerine, and that's what they do in Chablis, just south of Paris. So if you pick very early, you can be uh, no oak, stainless, but if you pick a little bit riper, then you, you can dress up your wine with some oak. So is, is then, that... Is that kind of one of the reasons why you'd have an oaked versus an unoaked? I mean, yeah, I know that's a decision, just, but it's part of like the, the picking process more than, because I just assumed it was the same. You oak one, you don't oak it, but it sounds well, like it's, it's not. It's the style you want to give, you know, it, it's um, if you want to gain one really fresh crisp, you pick earlier. If you want some fullness, bigger, riper, uh, you put a bit of oak. And if you want to get even bigger and a, a super big wine, then you do the malolactic which is bring the, the, the butter, the popcorn, that oiliness impression, the soft texture, the roundness. So it's really, you know, you know, like you can grill salmon, you can cook it into the oven and you can have it on sashimi. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, <laughs> really, it's uh, the world is, it's to the winemaker. So to, to be back to what we do at the light post, is Sophia wanted to have a little bit of an array. So we make a Chardonnay from uh, just around Pismo Beach, very, very cool sites that gives enormous minerality, flinty. It almost tastes like uh, when you peel a potato, there's a smell that you get that participates to the, um, to the minerality. So we make one of the you know, fresh, crisp, quite a bit acidic, and we make another one also uh, from the Etna Valley, which is softer, rounder, bigger. And then uh, we have also an offering which is in between from the Santa Cruz Mountains. Mm -hmm. So whoever comes to the tasting room, we offer those three different Chardonnays we just talked about as three different style. So there is always a style for somebody. Yeah, well, actually, and that's a perfectly to kind of one of the questions I have here is, so I'm say new to Chardonnay or just new to wine drinking, whatever it's going to be. Um, and maybe I had Chardonnays and liked them or didn't like them or whatever. How would I kind of find one that I might like? And, and how would I maybe go about discovering the right Chardonnay for me? So that's a very good question. Remember what we say that 80% of the, if you buy Californian wine, 80% of the Chardonnay come from warmer area. So typically, they're going to be a lot less expensive. They're going to be round, fuller, fatter, bigger. You know, those wines or wines, a lot of them would be eight to $14. If you want to have a wine that has a lot more tightness, citrus, grapefruit, minerality, you have to get something very coastal with typically less alcohol. And if you find something very coastal, coastal meaning less than 10 miles from the ocean, that uh, has a little more alcohol is probably the second style, which is probably maybe a little bit of malolactic, uh, more of the tropical nose, tropical flavors. So 
First, most important, look at how far is the wine from the ocean. If it's a Californian appellation, it's mostly from the Central Valley. That doesn't mean it's a bad wine. It's going to be less expensive, produced in much higher quantity with clones that produce a lot more fruit versus vineyards that are very, very coastal and they'll give you the extreme minerality. And if you, if you want to experiment, I would say three very different Chardonnay. What you may want to do, you drink a Chardonnay from Chablis, which is so tight, so acidic, so fresh, so crisp, with no oak, mm-hmm. they'll cost you a little bit more money. It's going to be typically in the $35, $40, obviously. And the extreme opposite is Chardonnay from the Monterey area. They're going to be very tropical, fat, rich, mango, pear. They're really, really different. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Napa Valley would be, you know, a little warmer, obviously, than Monterey. And then you can go to the central coast around Etna Valley, Arroyo Grande, uh, where you find wine that are in between Monterey, Monterey and, uh, and Chablis. I just say to people, don't drink only one Chardonnay. Experiment. Visit the world. Travel with your, your Chardonnay. And, and there's nothing more fun than, you know, having some friends when we can. Obviously, is opening maybe two or three bottles of Chardonnay on Saturday night with three or four of the couples and do it blind and say, hey, what do we prefer, guys? What, what? And in fact, I will be conducting uh, within the, the winery like post on Zoom some of those tasting in the in the near future. Yeah. And, and actually, let's let's mention that just briefly here, because I've talked to um... Uh, at least another winery about this is these virtual tastings because that's I mean that's where we have to be today right and that's kind of what we have to do so how how do you do a virtual tasting I mean um, or how are you going to kind of conduct that well uh, Sophia the owner she's going to connect uh, uh, people and she knows she knows many 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 people we're going to have a, it's going to be posted on our uh, website and then she's going to reach out to other people that she knows and basically, uh, we're going to get together around three o'clock on a Saturday, and for an hour, uh, people can. We're going to talk, pick a subject, either way, uh, Cabernet, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, like we're doing today. And then uh, the plan is for people to purchase wine at our winery. We can still do some pickup. We can't taste, but you can do some pickup outside, so people can order their wines online and then pick it up. And then on the weekend, people can open the wines and uh, I'll just do a very informal, fun presentation. And we'll, we'll talk about little vignettes, how wines are made, how to taste, what are the aromatics. So it's kind of a, a tasting like if we were together in the same room. Nice. Nice. That's fun. I like that. I've got another question or two, but I don't want to interrupt you either. Have you got other things you kind of want to say on Chardonnay as well? Well, I could talk about so many different things. Uh, we could talk, we could touch a little bit on the uh, uh, the history of Chardonnay in California. If that interests you? Yeah, sure. Let's let's do it. So the first traces of Chardonnay in the states, uh, there's actually three sources that came in the uh, 1880s. Uh, the president of the California State Viticultural Com- uh, Commission brought in 1882 some cutting from a Merceau in Burgundy and planted the first Chardonnay vineyards ever in the state of California called La Cresta Blanca. Wow, and, and where was that, that at? Do you know where that was at? 
uh, it is in Livermore Valley in oh, Santa wow. Clara. Okay. And then the second major source was uh, at Paul Masson in a vineyard called La, La Cresta Vineyards in 1896. Wow. And then uh, the last uh, source we, we, we know of is uh, Carl uh, Winty that planted uh, a vineyards in 1912. And it's the Wenty vineyards that gave the name to the, uh, to the vineyards. But what is really interesting to say about all that is that there was a few hundred acres of Chardonnay planted, but Chardonnay suffers one main, main issue. It has a virus mm. that is called uh, hens and chick, or also known in France, le mille rondage. And what it, what it does happen is the virus that is inside the, the vines themselves prevent a good set of the, of the plant and of the berries, excuse me. And instead of having three, four, five tons an acre, you will be very lucky in France long ago or in California, a hundred years ago, to have more than a half ton an acre. Wow. So it didn't make any sense to really grow Chardonnay because with so few grapes, you couldn't make any living. Yeah. So in 1960, you have about 100 acres of Chardonnay only planted in the state of California. Wow. There is less than 50 after prohibition. So there is uh, uh, literally what I call a guru is Dr. Harold Olmo from the Davis University discovered in the late 50s and early 60s. And if you do a thermal treatment of the Chardonnay for three weeks at a particular temperature, you actually could kill the virus without mm. modifying anything else in the plant. So suddenly he was able to create, uh, through the foundation plant services of Davis, an array of five or six, or six different clones. And within 10 years, we grew from uh, pretty much 100 acres to 15, 18,000 acres. Wow. In one event, so now a producer could produce four or five, thousand, four to five tons an acre. And there was an extraordinary event that took place in 1976. Is the famous tasting in Paris, of, yes. uh, set up by the New York Times, when out of the six top best one in the world, four came from uh, California and only two from France. Uh, and the that, Chateau Montelena and Chalone had a Chardonnay as a winning wine. So it became overnight a sensation and everybody wanted to drink Chardonnay from California. Uh, then it exploded. And then the, the second part of it is what I was describing earlier is in 19, late 80s, early 90s, when the new clones uh, were imported for France. And it's actually really interesting because I was actually uh, helping uh, Tim Mondavi in 1989 when he bought Byron Winery. I came with uh, the winemaker that they had came round and the two of us traveled to Burgundy in 1989. And Tim Mondavi said, try to find the best clones of Chardonnay you can find in Burgundy. Okay. And I helped the Mondavis to bring some of this clone in 1990. So I kind of uh, participated a little bit if I if I may say, to bringing some of those magical clones 
that have really revolutionized, you know, modified so much the the world of Chardonnay now. And and as again, we have over 100,000 acres of Chardonnay in the state. This is astonishing, and the number will keep growing. Yeah, very nice, very nice. That's fascinating. And I must say that. I was skeptical when I came in the United States. I tasted so many wines that were just okay. And we mm -hmm. truly have stunning wine produced in the state. Are they better? Not as good as French? It's just different style, different things. But it's just, uh, there's no question we find extraordinary wine now in the state. And that was really not the case, at least in large quantity, 30 years ago. Wow. So that's definitely changed. A whole lot. And that's, that's exciting. And, and that's why there's so much Chardonnay. And, and like you said, that's California Chardonnay is, is kind of well known even still today after that, what, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And again, what really changed is we now, if I, I would say in the 80s, we used to grow every varietal the same way. Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Cab, Pinot, people really didn't know a whole lot. So they, they really didn't specifically have a trellising canopy management, uh, farming techniques for those varietals. Now we do. There is a very good understanding. And secondly, the new clones. I can't repeat it enough. Uh, the new clones really changed everything. It's just uh, the, the material available is, is, we have, I believe, 35 different types of clone that are available from pretty much any nurseries in California. Nice. Okay, so let's talk a little bit then, if you don't mind, about um, kind of when and maybe even how to kind of drink a Chardonnay, right? So, I mean, it should be cold, and for me anyway, and generally it's kind of, I think of it as a summertime drink. Uh, would you dispute that, challenge that, agree with that? Well, I would, you know, it's, it's a good question, and I would refer to the three or four different styles of Chardonnay that we talked about. The Chablis from France with extreme minerality, acidic, crisp, tight. You can find similar wines in the States. Uh, I should say also in North Burgundy, around Bone, you know, Bone, Dijon, there is in Burgundy, a lot of very good Chardonnay. Uh, or here, if you find extremely coastal, which my extremely coastal makes three to four miles from the ocean, those wines are gonna be fresh crisps. They're delicious with oysters, uh, ceviche, uh, any any crisp, uh, not crisp, but seafood, uh, Japanese food. Those are really mm -hmm. delicious, but they complement the food well. And then you have wine that is, uh, if you go with the wine that have a little bit riper, with a bit more oak, they do very well with, uh, with whitefish, halibut, black cod, sturgeon, mahi-mahi, uh, a wine that is even now a little bit fuller with more oak, maybe some malolactic. You can definitely have chicken, turkey, pork, vegetable, pasta, risotto goes very well. And the other thing too, sometimes with my wife, we just like to cook together mm -hmm. and we just pop a bowl, have a, have a glass and we, we start cooking and uh, we just, uh, just enjoy it. And then uh, I think Chardonnay is the wine you can, you can start the, you know, the, the dinner or the evening and then uh, and go cooking with it and then and have it with the meal. And if there is a little bit left, maybe the jacuzzi if it's summer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. I like your style there. Awesome. Is there anything, I, I guess, other kind of quick question, anything different as far as how to approach like tasting it? What, what something I should look for in particular? I mean, I guess it depends on the 
the style. And like you said, there's so many different styles that maybe you just kind of have to approach each one for what it is. So that's really interesting. If people would like to know more about it, I do a lot of teaching on uh, wine evaluation, sensory analysis. And when you taste the wine, it's maybe a little more complex and if people are interested, they could, they could sign up, uh, uh, contact Sophia and contact, uh, or sign on the Zoom link. And, uh, but when you taste any types of wine, you should think of family of flavors. Let's say you taste a Chardonnay. Let's talk, and I, I take a little glass, and you had an in front of me that, to finish that. So you swirl, you move the wine. Obviously, wine, Chardonnay, they're a little more greenish, or generally more cool climate, low acidity. Wine that have a more golden hue are going to be wine that went through malolactic, are low acidity, or simply older. So the darker the color, the more golden, the older, the, or more malolactic, or the warmer the site. Okay. The greener the the cooler sides the less alcohol the fresher the most acidic and then you smell your first family think of citrus is that more mayor lemon is that more grapefruit is that more tangerine close your eyes concentrate try to determine what citrus you're gonna have and you will have some citrus character and then move to a different family tree fruit think of now asian pear apple white peach, apricot. And if you taste three wines, three Chardonnay with your friends, write them down and then move after the citrus, the tree fruit, move to a different family, tropical, uh, pineapple, mango, passion fruit, melon. And then go through the earthy notes you could have. It could be chalky, what we call, you know, flinty, that kind of gravelly whetstone you would find into a French Burgundy or Chablis or an extremely coastal. And then you can go through the malolactic flavor. We talked about the butterscotch, the butter, the popcorn, the curd lemon. Uh, and then of course the oak, uh, the vanilla, the creme brulee, the caramel, the, the pie crust, the toast. So instead of trying to go navigate all over, try to go to one family at a time. Again, citrus, tree fruit, tropical fruit, earth, herbal, malolactic oak. And then when it comes to, you finally put the wine into the mouth, try to concentrate on, is that crisp? Is that creamy? Is that full? Try to describe your sensation that you have. But to me, that's kind of the best way. You know, you obviously have to be quiet and concentrating, but it's, it's fun. It's really discovering and diving into the flavors what I call the DNA of flavors of that particular wine. Mm -hmm. And Chardonnay, it's really, really exciting because this, we talked about some of those family of flavors. They are so diverse, so complex, so different from each different region of the world that it will give you an immense pleasure to just do that. Obviously, you have to be into it and you don't have to be so intellectual. We can simply sit in the jacuzzi, have a glass of wine and, you know, enjoy the night sky and, and the beautiful lady or... If you're the lady opening the wine, look at your boyfriend or husband or whatever. It's just yep. like whatever fit, you know, floats your boat. But uh, yeah. as a winemaker and, and a wine judge and a wine uh, educator, I, I kind of like to try to get, get people into diving into the flavors of the wine. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to kind of wrap up in a second here. But before we do, anything, any kind of parting words, thoughts, things you want to put out into the world about Chardonnay? 
no, Chardonnay. Yeah, some people, to try to be cool, said, oh, I don't drink Chardonnay. Oh, I like every white wine except Chardonnay. I think it's silly. I think the people that say that don't get it. Or they maybe they only have drunk bad Chardonnay. There is so many different types of Chardonnay in the world that you must find something appealing. And Chardonnay goes just go with so many different food. It's just pleasant. So I think it's a... And I could see that if some people, you know, really don't like it, but it's a popular varietals for, for a reason. And, yeah. Well, and there's so many different kinds. If you have one and you don't like it, that just means you don't like the warm climate or the cool climate or the oak or whatever it's going to be. And so try that, try another one. Right. Well, and also uh, I hate to say that, but there is some time wine that are not as good. I mean, it's, it's simply, uh, oh, that's uh, true it's too, not yeah. because, uh, you know, there is a, uh, you can go to restaurants sometime and don't get very good food. And it's, there is plenty of wine that are just okay. So I think it's better to, you know, be careful, select, read, look at scores, uh, which is absolutely amazing about Light Post. We have, and I'm so proud of it being uh, the, the winemaker with Sophia, uh, is having, we have so many scores at 90, 92, 94, 96. We have actually a Chardonnay who just nice. released it at 95 points. So it's, it's a stunning bottle of wine. It's extremely limited. All the wine we make at Light Post are typically 250 cases or less. 200 cases, 150. They're very special, from very special side, very crafted. Uh, they cost a lot more to produce because of the quality of the fruit, the vineyards, the care, the, the oak, but it's worth it. Very nice, very nice. So in this time, I mean, we'd normally say, hey, come check out your tasting room or whatever, but uh, clearly... Uh, won't be doing that too soon. So in the meantime, you, they can pick up. Do you guys do shipping across the nation? Absolutely. Or? It's in, uh, you know, uh, in Morgan Hill, they just need to go online. There's ordering form, very easy to do. You put your credit card, you just uh, order whatever you want, set, schedule the pickup. You can always call the winery. If number one picks up the phone, leave a message. Uh, you know, it's easy. We'll prepare whatever we do. And it's a, uh, yeah, I think people should really try to discover that uh, that that winery. I think Sophia and John and I really have. Uh, I think we're offering some really really special wines, and I believe again that I think will be uh, will be long remembered for for bringing just a savoir-faire mm-hmm. <laughs> with a French style winemaking and 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 passion and commitment uh, to all the wines that we're making, particularly Chardonnay. Nice. Okay. So where, uh, where can they find you guys? Uh, what's the best way to, uh, or what is the website? It sounds like that might be the best it's place to go. Lightpostwinery, lightpostwinery.com. Nice. And <laughs> just south of Silicon Valley there. So you guys That's are in it. Northern California. Yeah, it's a very worth the, uh, the very short trip to get down there. Um, excellent. Well, thanks for being here. And in the meantime, if you want to reach out to the Unsophisticated Palette, you can find us at theunsophisticatedpalette.com. And until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Thank you, Mark. Mark.